Hi, I'm Carol Jean Whittington, and you're about to experience the new way to thrive in life and relationships as a late-identified autistic by unveiling who you are, what you love, creating balance, and being the leader and creator of your best life. Get ready, because this is where we go against the mainstream. We say no to outdated society norms, and we say yes to who we are in order to create a joy-filled, balanced, and more neurodistinct world. Ubuntu, welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain. Today, I have my friend Meg Thompson from Meg Thompson Behavior joining me. She is a specialist that goes into schools. She helps students, but she also helps teachers. And Meg has been showing some amazing reels, some really great behind the scenes, ruffling and shuffling some thoughts on those horrible things she terms kid crap. And I'd have to agree with her because there is some incredible kid crap out there. And as a late identified autistic going through the school system and the classrooms where they had marbles and behavior charts and stop signs and reward systems and how crummy it made me feel about myself and really some of the horrible things that happened to how I identified as being a worthy person and all the shame that comes with it. Man, all I could do was cheer when I saw this. Meg, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so glad I'm here. This is exciting. I am too. And uh, your squirrel pearls, your little reels and everything you got going, especially the topics that you talk about, how you talk about them and why you talk about them makes a difference. True. When I saw it, all I could think was, thank gosh, somebody somebody is being just not just loud for love somebody is being loud for some common sense that's uncommon in this world oh that's true that is true it's so true. meg tell everybody a little bit about what you do and why you do it so i um was a kindergarten teacher for 10 years and i realized i was really good with the uh i'm gonna put in quotation marks hard kids because um if the harder they were the easier they were for me and I didn't understand at the time why I was good with them. But after going um, back for my master's in early education and after having uh, getting my certificate in behavior, I realized that I'm good at the relationship piece with kids. So I go into homes, I go into schools, public and private, um, actually popular in religious schools, which is funny because I am um, kind of edgy and I say bad words sometimes, <laughs> not in the schools, however, I don't say them in the schools. And I go in and help adults help the kids. So... Um, and I also do tons, like you said, tons of social media. Um, I give, um, I have a masterclass, but I also give away workshops. I gave two away yesterday because I need people to change this child crap. I need them to, I always tell people I could make millions of dollars, although that's not why we're in this field. We're in the way wrong field if we want millions of dollars, but I could make millions of dollars with my charisma and engagement and the information that I know if I stayed on the tried and true but not working side of behavior if I went in and sold desk pets and sticker charts and token boards and I could I would be awesome and maybe famous now I'm infamous um because I always <laughs> join the club <laughs> yeah, right? ruffle and shuffle because it doesn't matter if you use them just positively if you don't take them away if you use 
Uh, the problem is, is that there's kind words around all these things. I had someone yesterday tell me like, uh, started to like kind of try to ruffle my feathers back. And she said, well, I'm going to stick. I'm not going to listen to you. Basically, she said, I'm not going to listen to it. I'm just going to um, keep going with my kindness plan. And I was like, honey, you are not on a kindness plan. If you're using these things, no, the kids love them. No, they don't. They just are playing into the game. You're the leader. You're the authority in the classroom. You're cool. And they're going to do what they need to do. But you already said that stuff was so detrimental for you. And I wonder how many teachers knew that it broke you in the moment. Did, did they know? Absolutely no, you, not. Because I would in. never let anybody No, know. of course not. I would never let anybody know. And what was really hard is because I was, I was the child that always got the sticker. I was the girl that was always, my clip was always on green. I was the girl who didn't ever give you a problem, but internally and at home uh, and on a daily basis, so the stress was ratcheting up constantly. It took so much for me to make sure that I was the yeah. good kid, that I wasn't a problem. And what happened and what I now know at 47 years old that I didn't know at six years old was that what I was learning and what I was being taught with all of those things that I was literally killing myself to do as a child was that I wasn't worthy of love. I wasn't good enough. And I wasn't the best that I could be if I didn't do it. If I didn't get a green, if I didn't get a sticker, if I didn't get the reward out of the treasure chest at the end of the, mm -hmm. of the week, if I didn't do those things, I wasn't worthy. And the shame storm that follows you for your entire life till you learn and somebody says, hey, you're perfect just like you are. And that was a false belief. That was crap that somebody told you and they didn't tell you directly. It's all subconscious. Yeah. It's all in what you don't say. It's what people internalize and begin to identify. And the earlier you start learning these things in life, the harder it is to break it and the worse the effect is. Yeah. And until recent, until the last couple of years, I knew at six years old, I sat on my bed one night after dinner and I was in absolute tears. I was inconsolable. And my mom walked in and said, baby, what's wrong? And I couldn't tell her anything other than I want to die. A six-year-old, a six-year-old telling their mom that they want to die and not really knowing why, just knowing that everything is too much, that you feel horrible about who you are. And do you know why? It's because of construction paper chain loops for reading books. Oh. Now I, I was doing it. My mom was helping me. I was writing my book on those little colored construction paper strips. I was stapling one on, but you know, it wasn't good enough because there were these other kids in the class. Whose moms, and I didn't know this, yeah. right? I didn't know this until recently. And my mom and I were talking about this and I said, mom, do you remember that? And you remember that? She said, oh God, honey, how could I forget it? You know, that was just the most heartbreaking thing I've ever gone through because you were so broken at that point. And I said, do you know why? I said, it was those construction paper chains for that reading in first grade. 
She goes, are you kidding? I was like, no. I said, I walked in and there were these other girls and their loops were like all the way down to the floor, all the way back up to the ceiling and all the way back down. And, you know, mine's on track, but it's nothing like that because they're overachieving, right? Yeah. And if they're overachieving, I'm not good enough because I've been learning that I'm not good enough like that. And in my situation, I, I should be better. Yeah, but you felt like you had to be better. And then in, and remember, I shared my story. I have a, a reading story. We had to, uh, we had a reward system. It wasn't a paper chain, but I remember having to do like little book reports. And if we had so many, we got, I don't know, something. I can't remember what the prize was, but I'm competitive. So I cheated, right? So while you were honest and did what you needed to do, I was cheating. I, I just don't know. No. Reading. My mom was reading to me. So I felt like it was cheating because she was reading with me. And do you know what my mom told me? She goes, honey, those girls, I talked to all their moms. Their moms were reading them these books. That's how come they got so many. I'm like, are you kidding me? The whole time I thought I was horrible because I wasn't doing it all myself. And you're telling me everybody else's mom was reading to them. And I kept reading the same book. I read Cat in a Hat, like, oh, I don't know probably 15, 17 times and made a book report. So I had a whole thing and I'm like, the teacher's not going to look how many times I read Cat in the Hat. She's just going to look at the paper. And so, well, you were thinking, oh my gosh, I, I have to get all these. I thought, I thought the same thing, but I was, I was cheating. So I still wanted to win and it still didn't, I still, it still didn't work for me. Right. And I, and I was doing sloppy work. I was like, I wasn't even reading the books. I was just like reading the back, right. Where there's the. Right. The synopsis. Yeah. Right. And I, and, and all through school when I had to do book reports, I remember cliff notes way back in the day. Oh, do I? I never read the whole book. And I think it started in second grade with that reading project thing. So I wanted to be the best. And when I wasn't the best, I just cheated harder. Is that what we should be teaching me? Nope. Nope. And you know what what gets left out of that? And I know you're going to totally go with this because you and I were talking beforehand. The why is missing. Oh, gosh. Chase the why, for goodness sakes. Put your stickers in the trash and chase the why. I mean, seriously. Simon Sinek has an entire company and philosophy and books written on finding your why because as humans we operate from and we we are motivated by our internal why and if you are doing nothing but instilling very broken very harmful classroom management all you are doing is causing a child to not be able to find their why and the why that they do find is broken and yeah. it causes so much internal harm because we don't operate from the outside in as humans, we operate from the inside out. And if you aren't addressing the inside, you're missing the boat. And you know, what we're going to get, we're going to get a whole bunch of people that comment on this and say, but I use these systems. And we talked about this before too. And they just put pretty words to, they make it, pretty or adorable or cutesy or they um there's like an assembly and there's food and there's sparkles and streamers and and then when they write home to parents about what they're doing they they attach all these beautiful positive 
um, growth mindset words to these systems. And you're like, ah, you're just tricking the parents who parents don't know. They're like web designers and scientists and garbage men and doctors. And they don't necessarily, they're like, right, that's what's happening in my kid's classroom. Okay, I'll just go along with it. Right. And you also, as a parent, you're like, oh, well, we did that in school, but you don't really think back to how did you feel about it? Really? What was the resulting identity that you started to believe about yourself and who you were in the world based on those things? Right. Right. And you could have been the parent that got the things and and just went through life and school was fine for you. And and it didn't phase you. And that's great. Good for you. I'm so glad. You're the lucky one. Yeah. There's like one of you out there, maybe. Right. Everybody has a story and I'll never understand because we'll talk and you and I talk about this all the time, right? Through social media. I talk to every, I talk to parents, I talk to kids, I talk to administration and teachers and everybody's like, it doesn't work. They're terrible. It's bad for kids. Yet we don't do anything else because it's a whole shift in mindset. It's not just, I'm going to find another strategy just like the sticker chart except it's going to be a little bit different and then I change my strategy and you know what that happens in the late identified journey as well and it's something that we talk about in mind your autistic brain and you guys Mm -hmm. listening out there you guys watching you know this if you are simply not taking the time to look back and reflect and really ask the hard questions Mm -hmm. really ask yourself is what I believe true? Because we're indoctrinated from birth. We are born as a recorder. We are taking in, we're recording everything we see. We are recording everything we hear and we internalize it and we're sorting it out and figuring it out until we get to around eight to 10. Everybody's a little bit different. And then we're like, oh, this is what we're supposed to believe. This is how we're supposed to behave. This is how we're supposed to think. These these people are good people by definition of all the grown-ups around me. These people are bad people. This makes me a good person. This makes me a bad person. And you have then agreed to all of that. And then you carry it forward your entire life. And that is how you've operated. And it's become subconscious. It has become automated. It has become an internal belief. And if you don't stop to question that, you are missing more. But here's the, here's the problem, Meg, is that when we question those things, my dog wants to go out, hang on. When we question those things, if we look at it and we go, oh my gosh, I agreed to something that's not true. Then we have to also face the fact that maybe we've agreed to other things that aren't true. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's more than some people are ready to process. If I'm wrong about this, what else am I wrong about? And sometimes that is a really tough thing. And if I'm wrong about this, how long have I been wrong about it? How many times have I done that to kids because I didn't know what I didn't, don't know, right? I know a lot of these, uh, these desk pets are really popular on TikTok and there's like thousands and thousands and thousands. And it's just because they're cute. And, but those teachers don't know what they don't know. They don't know about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how bad it is. They don't know about the hierarchy I talk about that we have to start at self-reflection. They don't know any of that information because what were they, they, what were they given? They were just given like a class in behavior management and it was a semester. So you have to go to fun, fast and easy strategies because I can't possibly teach you all the things you need to learn. I mean, my masterclass, the one where you just listen to my recorded Zoom workshops is eight hours long. Yeah. 
because there's so much to unwind. In and that's really just the tip of the iceberg, right? I mean, oh, it's totally, to... totally the tip of the iceberg. Hey guys, it's Carol Jean. We're taking just a quick break so I can share a few things with you. Things that are happening in the Mind Your Autistic Brain community. So if you're a member, and remember, membership to Mind Your Autistic Brain is free. You've gotten your newsletter for August, and it's in your inbox. And there's all kinds of goodness and great things. And we have a fun movie night happening later this month. But right now, I want to share what's special about the talk show and what we're doing this month that's new. I asked you guys about if you'd be interested in having a live uh, Q&A and discussion to go deeper on these episodes. This month for the month of August, the theme and the topic is back to school. This is, I'm approaching this in a really different way, guys. This isn't about, because, you know, sometimes thinking about back to school and all the, the trauma and the physical stress and tension and just the overwhelming exhaustion. I mean, if you're like me, maybe hopefully you know what I'm talking about. You know, as late identified autistics, a lot of things that happened to us and around us in school and how it affected us, we carry with us our entire lives until we reach this point where We've discovered that we're autistic and school was really hard for a lot of reasons, sensory reasons, processing differences, a whole host of things. So not only are we talking about what back to school means from teachers' points of view and students and parents, we're also discussing and talking about this from our late identified perspective and how school impacted us and how we can now take what we know, what we're learning and what we're becoming aware of through these discussions this month on things that we can become acknowledging of, aware of, and heal from. I know I was personally hurt and harmed greatly in school, not intentionally, because a lot of my teachers had their hearts in all the right places, but they had their school management and their school environment systems set up in a way that wasn't conducive to me or to my classmates as well no matter what our neurotype. So one thing that we're doing really special this month is we're having two live talk show, go deeper Q&A sessions. And the first one that will be happening on August the 13th, that's a Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern time, we'll be talking about this episode with my friend Meg from Meg Thompson Behavior, and she'll be showing up to answer some questions at the end of the session. And then my friend Kara Diamond, is the author of The Autism Lens. And she's a newly late identified autistic and she's doing amazing things to help educate teachers in a new way. And I can't wait for you to hear her episode next week. So make sure that you get the registration link to go ahead and sign up and get on that list so that you'll get the Zoom link directly sent to your inbox and you can participate after listening to the episode today and next week. And we'll visit what it is to be late identified autistic, what things happened throughout our lives in school, how it's impacted us our whole entire life and how we can start identifying, becoming aware of and start healing and changing the beliefs that we were holding that made us feel less than, that made us feel unworthy or that made us kill ourselves and go into chronic cycle burnout because we were trying to achieve these unattainable things that no child should ever be asked to do. Let's keep going. All right. So here's something that I really, my friend Mark and I had a conversation yesterday, you know, just after we did an interview, he and I were just talking and I was sharing some 
you know, sort of some things that you and I had talked about. I was like, this is really good. You know, what are some of your thoughts? Cause he also goes in and works, works with people separately, kind of undoing these ruffle and shuffle kind of things. And I said, look, think about this for a second. And this is, see what you think. I want to hear what your thoughts are on this, Meg. So in classroom management, one of the things that that is taught is set your classroom up, create this environment, you know, where it's really visually stimulating and you've got all of these posters and colors and stickers. Now think about it. When I was substituting and I was going into, you know, kindergarten through sixth grade classrooms, sometimes fifth grade, they were overwhelming. They were overstimulating. There was so much clutter and just pure visual everything it's like somebody vomited all over the walls right from tie-dye and yeah primary colors yeah right vomited primary colors and all these bright (laughs) and there's all of these things and there's you know the grammar charts and all this stuff there is not one place for your eye to rest now I want you to think about this this is sort of my thinking on the fact on place you know, as an artist, I learned all about color theory, how color affects your mood, how your environment as a designer, how your environment can stimulate, how your environment can calm, how you move people through an environment for flow, traffic flow. If these environments in classrooms are being set up where it is like constant stimulation, you are creating the environment that is causing students to be overstimulated. They do not have control and responsibility for their own behaviors at early ages because that self-control is still being learned and still being stretched and, and strengthened. Yet you want to then implement this child crap and you want to get, you want to, you know, take things away and only give rewards for those who can manage that overwhelming environment. So you're already setting yourself up for failure because you're not getting the outcome you want because your classroom is already so much. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that, Mag? Well, uh, color theory wise, we choose the wrong colors for the wrong grades for sure, right? We do primary colors in, uh, with little kids and that is not right it should be natural pastel colors um elementary schools where you have where you can have more primary colors but only a third of your classroom walls should be covered with something two-thirds should be empty all the time so if, if i see if i'm there in february october stuff should not be still on the wall um i don't know who decided to make bulletin boards the way they make them with all the things in the oh my gosh it, um, but the four aspects of environment, only one is the physical piece. So sometimes we overwhelm kids physically, but then there's the programmatic piece, which is the curriculum piece, which uh, that's where a lot of the sticker charts stuff comes in about learning better and faster and more thoroughly. The interpersonal part, right? The relationship piece. So that can be overwhelming because we have to have good relationships with kids. Kids have to have good relationships with kids. It's us that's in charge of the relationship when they're little, right? And relationships is your best behavior strategy, right? And then uh, the uh, philosophical piece. So why do we do what we do, right? And that's important because why do we put all this stuff in the classroom? Why do we use sticker charts? Why do we, uh, I don't like the clip down system, but it's mandatory in my school. I get that a lot. I'm a PBIS school, so it's mandatory, okay? And they're like, what do I do? Well, you say, 
give me the research that proves that this works and not alert and keeps a child emotional uh, their emotional wellness intact i have the research that proves it doesn't work and is bad for emotional health of kids so i'll give you that when they find their research you will implement their strategy the hard thing is is then you could get fired you could not have a job you could not so some teachers just close the door and don't do any of the things but then they have to fill out sheets so like philosophically where do you stand in that i couldn't be a classroom teacher in a school that that's mandatory because i'm too loud for love i'm too roughly of uh, i just ruffle the feathers too much you and me both but you know what i think that's the gift i think oh, that's the gift yeah. It takes a heck of a lot of courage. It takes a heck of a lot of bravery and vulnerability mm -hmm. to ruffle feathers. And it comes from a place and it comes from our why. And our why is because we love and care about other people. And yeah. we know that there's another way. We know that there's another way. And why and can't they just listen to us? <laughs> you know what? You know what? One or two people are somewhere in the world. <laughs> And you know what? Those one or two people, they're going to share it with another one or two people. And, and you know, we're going to get that ripple effect. You do have you do have the ability to influence up to 10,000 people, around 10,000 people in your lifetime. I'm like, come on. And then those 10,000 influence their 10,000. And it goes to about 2 million. So that's why you can't not notice what that was, what was happening to you, right, in school. Because if we broke you using any aspect of the environment that I just talked about and you're feeling broken at six and you want to die. I'm, what if we missed you? We miss your 10,000. You wouldn't be here talking to me. You wouldn't be here. I know that people follow you like crazy. I know that they're interested in your message. Like what if we didn't figure out how to, how to put you back together, right? Yeah. Then we lose your 10,000. And all those 10,000 people you've influenced then lose their 10,000. And I'm like, we can't do that. It only takes one person to change. So I try to be that one person, be like, I got you, buddy. Like, I know these sticker charts are stupid and I got you. I'm going to fix them for you. Yeah. Right? I do that with adults too. I do that with teachers, except it's really hard to be feisty and, and ruffle when you're a teacher and you don't want to lose your job. But the principal says I have to, yeah, ask your principal how many behavior classes he took. I promise you I have more information than he does or she does. You know, and I think, Maggie, you make a really great point. And I but think that's so that it is. And I think that, you know, it's, it's one of the questions that I have to reflect on. It's like, how do I make the biggest impact to the people that I truly am trying to save and help? And, yeah. it, and it is a life or death thing with what we're doing. It truly is, especially in, in, in my particular world as late identified autistics, the suicide rate is through the roof. It is the highest of any other population. And I'm, I am with my yeah, own self dealt with life and death for decades. You know, just the fact that I'm here and I am still breathing and I am still talking, I have survived and had, had just the sheer dumb tenacity to still be here because there yeah. was something inside of me that kept saying this isn't right don't this isn't this really there's isn't what on the other want. side I just got to get over this hill and there's something good on the other side right I, I still held on to that glimmer that little right. glimmer of hope 
It's the yeah. only reason I'm still here. And, and in that, what we have to do and what I look at is, is not necessarily, we can help the teachers, but we have to help the teachers that create the environment for the teachers so that the teachers aren't in that position where they're like having to choose between keeping their job and being able to have their livelihood and keep their family intact. Yep. To really addressing the school board, addressing the parents so that the parents who do have the voice and the power can speak up to help also influence the principals and the principals come together and they speak to the school board and we talk to the state education board and we raise the awareness that this is truly detrimental and harmful to our children. But here's the thing, the children that we're influencing today, we hope to heck that they're growing up to be adults, but a lot of them aren't. And then what happens when you're 85 and you're in the nursing home and your kindergarten student is now changing your bedpan and they're like, I'll give you a, I'll give you a sticker if you just pee in your bedpan. Right. We're teaching them. They are going to take care of us someday. And I'm not sure we want the kids that we're raising with the strategies we're using to take care of us. Right. If we're not teaching self-worth and helping children identify their values, we end up with a generation that eats Tide Pods. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) part of the day i was just thinking in Maslow's hierarchy of needs right there's four authentic needs that last one is self-acceptance self-esteem without that piece you can't get into your first growth need of need to know and understand so learning and being curious about the world and going out and adventuring and traveling and absorbing the stuff that we want humans to absorb to make them good physically and mentally healthy people we need self-esteem has to be there and how many kids that i work with have negative self-esteem so people's like what do we do you have to do the three things that we didn't, right? We need safety or we need phys- physiological. You need to eat, sleep, go to the bathroom well. You need to eat well, sleep well. Make sure you're doing all your business well. You have to, um, physical and emotional safety. That's where we don't use sticker charts because it's emotionally unsafe for kids. And then we have to have kids, everybody has to have a place to belong. And we need to feel love and radiate love. And then we get to self-esteem. Without those four, we can't possibly get kids to learn. You know what? The same thing happens in my world. If you're late identified autistic, and that's why I created Mind Your Autistic Brain, because it's a safe place to go. It's a Mm -hmm. safe place to be a part of a community where you can find people that have had similar experiences who think in a similar way. And for the first time in so many people's lives, I mean, I have this beautiful person who's in their seventies. They're like, this is the first time I've ever been a part of a group where I felt I was seen and heard and loved and 70. Imagine looking for belonging for For seven decades. Oh, that makes me want to cry. Okay. I'm not going to cry. Well, I got chills though. And it all starts. It all starts when we start to go to school. Yes. And Meg, I want to thank you for the work that you're doing. I want to thank you for how you do it because what you're doing is changing lives and it is going to make a huge impact and a difference for children and people like me because you're fighting to correct and change what is so, so very broken. And I want to thank you for that. Meg, 
where can people find you? Where can they get, if there's a teacher that's out there listening today and you are thinking, oh my gosh, I didn't know. I didn't know. First of all, I want you to know, don't it's hate okay. yourself. Don't, yeah. don't condemn yourself. I did, you sticker charts. I did sticker charts. I didn't know. Everybody has done something that they did with the best of intentions and didn't know. Yeah. But where you got to stop is going, now that you know, what can I do to grow? All the way back down to self-reflection. So Meg, if they're a teacher, if they're a parent, if they're just simply somebody like me that wants to make sure that the, we help get the message out, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram at Meg Thompson Behavior. So Meg always has two Gs. If you have That's one, right. Know, yeah, always two Gs. Um, Megan spelled, my mom spelled Megan really tricky, M-E-A-G-H-A-N. So I went to Meg and then I put two Gs. So it's spelled wrong regardless of what you call me. Um, I'm on Facebook at Meg Thompson Behavior Consulting. And uh, my website is megthompson.com. Everybody told me to do my name. I wanted, you know what I wanted to name my website? What? I say badwords.com or no more sticker charts.com. And everybody said that um, <laughs> my business wouldn't grow because they'd think I was too feisty. <laughs> Little you did know I know. I am really feisty. And that's yeah. why my business is big. <laughs> you know what, Meg? I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have cared. I wouldn't have listened. I would have gone with my gut on that one. I didn't want to, but they said, you won't get the people who are serious and don't find your humor funny. And my but first, do you really want to attract those yeah, people is the question. My, you know, you know me too well. That was my first reaction is, why don't you want to play with them anyway? I don't but want them in my sandbox. They're not my people. My, but I, I do want them in my sandbox. You do. Because they're the ones you need to listen to. Marketing-wise... If yeah. you put your name on stuff, then they know what your name is, right? I mean, it's what We got the hashtags. We can find you. We can be loud for love. We can ruffle and shuffle. We can do yeah, all those, those fun hashtags. things. So be loud for love is my hashtag. And uh, ruffle then shuffle is my hashtag. So and I uh, love be loud it. for love last month in June, right? was LGBTQ um, awareness month. And I was at 10K. And that was like my big goal. And I did cartwheels and everything. And then I lost over 100 people. When I said, love is love. I love all the people. I love everyone. And people are like, what? Even those weird people, even those people who do these things. I was like, yeah. And yes. people unfollowed me and it's taken me a month and a half to get back up to that. And you know what? Because people thought now, I was like, Yeah. But now you're attracting the people that are allowed for love. Yeah. Yeah. I need them out anyway. Oh, a lot of people, religious people, are the messages I got. <laughs> I know. They can be pretty mean. And you're like, really? Aren't you supposed to be operating from a place of love? Because that is what, that's what. God loved everyone. I didn't know. Oh, you know, it's like, it's all conditional. It's there's, you know, and my whole thing is, look, every human that every human, I am related to them. I am connected to them. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter because I'm going to treat the person next to me with as much love as I have for myself. Yeah. And as much love as I would treat myself because that person is me. And when we start to look at the person in front of us, the person next to us as yourself, you're not going to treat anybody with anything other than love. And that's respect. why you need self-acceptance and self-esteem back, right? We just circled right back. That's why we need that. If we're going to treat others like we want to be treated and like they are us, and we need to feel good about us. And there's a lot of kids and a lot of humans that 
do not feel good about themselves. So they can't exude that piece. I got a good one for you, Meg, before we wrap up. <clears throat> the golden rule is do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. So treat yeah. others the way you want to be treated, right? Yeah. I'm going to ruffle and shuffle on this one. Yeah, I ruffle and shuffle on it too. Go ahead. I can't wait. The platinum rule. Treat others the way they would like to be treated. Weird, right? We are most mean to ourselves. Oh, we're so, look, my friend Nancy and I say all the time, we are so mean to ourselves. We're meaner to ourselves than we are to anybody else ever. We would never be as mean to somebody else as we are to ourselves. If you called me crying, I wouldn't be like, suck it up, lady. Right? Right. Ourselves, we're like, oh my gosh. So sometimes treating others the way we want to be treated, some people don't know what that is because they haven't been treated well. They don't even know what they want. So I deal with all sorts of people, uh, old, young, boys, girls, transgender, LGBTQ, autistic, ADHD, anxiety, depressed. I'm like, okay, so those are usually my first questions. How do you want this to go? I usually enter with lightheartedness, funny, because it's easier to get to know me, but I can draw that back. I don't have to do that. Um, that piece is usually what hooks people in because they see me as a safe person. But there are some people that are like, I just want you to, to be serious. I'm like, wait, I'll try my best. It's <laughs> really hard for me to do that. But I have to treat people as they want to be treated, which means we have to have open conversation, right? Relationships is your best strategy which is why I do well in my work, which is why I'm good at what I do is because I'm really good at that relationship piece. Yep. I yeah. agree. I, I 100%, I even teach an entire series on relationships and how to identify the four different types of relationships so that you can find a true connection relationship yes. so that you can have that safe person where you can be you. And, and you, you should be your opposite. Yeah. I'm married. <laughs> yeah. Look, see, I, this, is this is me. It's my squirrel. Oh, I love it. That's your felted one. Oh, and this is my duck. This is my husband right here. This oh, is I my love it. My, and my husband's like in a little like very, very, very. Uh, He's the ducks in a row, and I have drunk squirrels. That's okay. My mine's the opposite too. I am the um, nuclear power plant energy, and he is the little tiny solar panel outside the RV. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and just knowing that makes all the difference. Well, Meg well, Thompson. You can't, marry a, you can't marry a squirrel if you're a squirrel. That's no. Like, oh, no. You can't do that. The nuts would be all over the place. <laughs> Meg, thank you for this time today. Thank you for sharing your heart. Oh, thank you for having All your loud for love. This has been fantastic. And we're definitely having to do this one again. Oh, Thanks for so sure. Much. If you are someone who likes to help people and share what has made a difference in your life, please share this talk show with a friend and on your social media accounts so that you can be the blessing in another late-identified autistic's life. Be sure to tag me at Social Audi so I can personally say thank you. And to help keep the talk show ad-free, please consider becoming a one-time or recurring supporter through either Buy Me a Coffee or the Anchor Podcast links in the show notes below. 
I truly appreciate your support. Thank you for being a listener and thank you for adding your voice to our story.